Welcome to the O Shift for Teens podcast, a show where I team up with a thought leader and we discuss a new topic question that will help you better understand your teen. I'm your host, Mark Tucker, co-author of O Shift for Teens, as well as the O Shift for Teens curriculum and the O Shift for Teens workshop kit, which is being used by facilitators everywhere. Head to OShift.com and join the growing movement of shift heads all across the world. Well, I hope you're having a great week, and I hope you've been enjoying the show. I sure have. Well, something kind of exciting came up for me a couple of uh, weeks ago. I was contacted by a good buddy of mine out of New York, my uh, friend Keith Senzer. Uh, Keith is a speaker. He speaks to large groups of teens, and he's also probably our number one O-Shift for Teens facilitator. He gave me a call, and we talked about starting a youth empowerment camp where we would launch it next August, and uh, this would probably be a three or four night camp where kids would come and they would get the O-Shift principles as well as whatever else we cook up. So uh, that's something you will be hearing more about as uh, the time gets closer. Probably after the holidays, we'll have some good information about the camp, the dates, uh, who it's for exactly, Uh, but I'm super excited about it. I think it's just a natural direction for both me and him. He's a great guy, so I, I'm excited to team up with Keith. So keep that in mind as you're uh, thinking ahead, how you can get your teens involved. You can always email me at mark at oshift.com and see what's cooking, or you, I'll probably be posting information on the show. Well, today I have a, a really nice call just a little bit ago with... Um, Dr. Stephen Jones, he's a dean over at Villanova University, and um, interesting topic that we covered, this was a topic that I threw out into my uh, LinkedIn groups some time ago, and it's, what's the most important skill that a teen needs to learn? Uh, it's an interesting question, and one that uh, people have various uh, answers to. In just a moment, you'll hear how Dr. Stephen Jones answers that question. It was a great interview. So... Sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. My guest today is Dr. Stephen Jones. Dr. Jones is the Associate Dean of Students in the College of Engineering at Villanova University. He has 30 years' experience helping students to graduate and has received numerous awards for his dedication to students. He's also the author of three books, including Seven Secrets of How to Study, and he's delivered presentations on numerous topics, including leadership, effective communication, and helping kids develop study skills. Dr. Jones, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, how are things at Villanova? Well, things are uh, kind of quiet right now. We're on, on fall break, but uh, the last few weeks have been really interesting. A lot of students um, really excited about engineering and, and interacting and doing projects, and I actually have a daughter that's here who's majoring in computer and electrical engineering as well, so... <laughs> that sounds challenging. How did she do? Did she do well? Yeah, she's been on the dean's list several times at this point. And um, she is a leader of the National Society of Black Engineers. She's the president, and she tutors and mentors. So she's fully engaged. So that's, wow. that's exciting. Proud kind father. Of all the things that I talk about in the book that I wrote on study skills, she's able to apply. Let me ask you about that. Now, you're you're the dean of students in the engineering department at Villanova. Now, when I was teaching high school, it was, uh, you know, getting kids to 
graduate just to show up now this was high school in Portland Oregon um, was there was a lot of challenges to getting that to happen now I think of Villanova University I don't think that you must have a, a lot of um, it takes a lot of effort to get kids uh, to graduate but uh, what, what do you find well um, we really when we're I'm working with students and especially my Saturday program and I have a summer program I'm trying to give them the fundamental uh, foundation that's necessary for them to be successful in both math and physics and then making sure that they're on the right pathway because a lot of schools don't know how much math and science that you need to do engineering and they definitely need pre-calculus and calculus and advanced placement calculus if they if they can get that as an opportunity through their school or through a community college so those are fundamental things that a lot of times parents don't know to tell their child that's interested in the technology are you finding that the kids showing up that are thinking that they're going to get into engineering are lacking some of these classes? Uh, well, the, uh, at the admissions process, you have to have those classes to be admitted into the engineering college. Okay. Um, but one of the things that the challenge is, all calculus is not even. So your high school may only go through a certain number of chapters, like, you know, five or six chapters while the other high school is going through 12, it depends on where you're coming from and how in-depth that they went. And, you know, coming to college, the professors are only going to teach at one level. That's the more advanced level. So that's where a lot of, you know, some young people get stuck, that they right. think that they're prepared. But it's also my responsibility to make sure that if they aren't prepared, go for help. You know, there are tutors, there's a professor, there's a teaching assistant, um, and I often try to work with the students on don't let your pride get in the way of you going to get help. And what do you mean by that? Well, um, a lot of students who come out of their high schools because they did really well and they earned a good GPA, they think that, you know, and they get to the college and say, well, I shouldn't be having problems with this course because I really did well in high school. Right. Well, it may, it's a different environment. There's, different, there's a higher level of requirement of knowledge. And so this is a great way to prepare yourself is by getting help. They've established these tutors and mentors in the college environment because they realize that. Right. How active are you having to be to find these kids? I mean, if, are you looking at transcripts and seeing kids that are faltering and, and reaching out to them? Or are you sort of waiting for them to, to knock on your door? Uh, I'll say A and B, um, <laughs> but I do, and right now, in fact, we're about to have midterm reviews, so we've, the students have taken some midterms, so we'll get some information back on their progress, and then if we see there's some challenges, we'll meet with them. So that's you know, our input to them to make sure they're getting support that they need and um, in trying to, in having them come back to, for more guidance as they're progressing toward additional examinations and uh, finals. Right. So we're, we're, we're more you know, closely aligned with where they're at and what they need to do. Right, I'm sure. You know, when I was, uh, I was activities director at the high school that I uh, worked at, and I have to use that as my base of reference, but we found that there was a lot of pushing students, but we, at one point we said, well, why don't we like pull students more by showing them what opportunities exist, and in your case, the world of engineering. Um, and so, like, what, what, what does it look like to, to have success and rewarding success and that kind of thing? What, what do you do to kind of um, lure students to, to want to uh, perform well in, in this area? Well, I think it's exactly what you just said. You have to engage them 
and involve them in you know, both the hands-on instructional part of engineering, because a lot of it is where you're actually a mechanical engineer or a civil engineer or even a chemical engineer, you're doing experimentation um, and research. And so I think as much of that, that can happen during high school, it increases the chances that they'll have a knowledge coming in. And there are, uh, there are some high schools that actually have engineering courses as part of their, um, their curriculum, but there are a lot more that don't have it, and so that they have to find creative opportunities and programs on college campuses to get exposure early. Right, and I can remember our high school, and I'm sure many, and, and with funding too, to, to have sort of specific areas that kids are like engineering. It wasn't engineering, it was just math and science, you know, and so there's no really, uh, what is that even leading to? No, I was going to say that, that um, the other aspect of it is exposing them to professionals who are in the fields of engineering and talking to them about their lives and their experiences and uh, helping them understand how beneficial their careers in engineering can be for them. Right. Now, when we had talked earlier, you had um, mentioned that one of the uh, things that you're working on is getting more uh, stu- African-American students um, earning degrees in engineering. Is that, how, how is that coming? Is, that, is there a, a, a deficiency at this point? Well, as, as I was mentioning, only 5% of all engineers that graduate from college every year are um, African-American. And so that's a small amount compared to all the other students that are into engineering, and we want to make a difference with that. In fact, one of the organizations, the National Society of Black Engineers, has a goal by 2025 to double the number of engineers that are produced from 5,000 to 10,000, and they're partnering with other engineering organizations and doing more programs with elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools to increase the pipeline toward engineering. So it, it takes a concerted effort and it takes collaboration to make it work. You know, I, I really love that and I, I feel like one of the things that's challenging for a lot of students is sort of constructing in their mind, like, what's the purpose? You know, I remember pulling a student out one time and who was just messing around. It's like, what's the plan, man? You know, what, what, what is your plan? And you realize there was no plan. There was no, like, yeah, I was like, were you planning to graduate? He's like, yeah. Well, how do you, how, how are you thinking that's going to happen? What's the plan to get there? And so it sounds like what, we, what we're talking about here is helping students construct a plan a little bit. Is, is that part of the work? Would you say for, for African-American students is sort of giving them the road to getting there? Right, and, and it's about the road map that, young people get a lot of people young people will be the first person in their family to even go to college they don't have any exposure to the whole level different levels of engineering and science in their family and this is a whole new adventure for them yeah how much of your time do you find that it's dedicated to in particular african-american students and getting them to find success in engineering there Mm. I would I would say it's about fifty fifty in yeah. terms of my activity, and again, as I mentioned, there's some first generation students that I'm working with, so that they can be from any background. They're the first person in their family to go to college, and they're coming to Villanova University. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of challenges that they might face, and we're trying to say that we are uh, we're going to be helpful to that student. 
Well, what are they facing that's different than the kids that have well, parents? And I, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was thinking, I was, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, that um, our children can call us and we've had experience with college. Right. And so there's some tips and suggestions that we can give to them that another parent who doesn't, hasn't had that experience just doesn't have the ability to give to them. Right. Uh, so that's something, and they come to see me, you know, I can understand that some of those challenges, because I was the first person in my family to go to college. Right. And maybe some of the stresses of being in a, a larger environment, maybe they came from a school that wasn't as large as this university, or they, um, you know, maybe they're dealing with some, some type of, of ailment that, you know, needs support. So we, we try to address the whole student. It's not just them coming to take a class. It's what's going on in their life, uh, what knowledge that they do or don't have that could affect their abilities. What a challenge. Yeah, and I can tell you from my – I was the first in my – you know, my mother, not only did she not go to college, but it just wasn't a priority for her. And so what, with these kids, it's it's not even – they. I mean, what you said, they, they call – their parents just don't have that experience, but also they just don't necessarily even care. They don't see it as – necessarily a road to anything because they don't know like like you said before that roadmap doesn't exist for them and i know that for me it wasn't my mom i was raised in a, a by my mom if it was just her i i probably would have never even gone to college it just wasn't important fortunately i was around enough people in high school that were that it was like oh i guess i'll do that uh, but what it what a difference when you've got sort of that structure of people around you and parents, it's just like it's a no-brainer. You're just education is that important. You're just going to do it. Absolutely. You, one of the things I do also is I go out to the schools and I do meet with some of the classes, or I'll go out with our admissions office just so that I can catch some of the students that I've seen before. So it just can't be the university. Not well, we bring the students to campus for our programs, but. We also have to go out to them and reach out to them and assure them that we want them to come to our university. Yeah, and I imagine Villanova is quite the lure. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the education, that I, again, I have proof in the pudding because my son, uh, he graduated from here two years ago, and he's doing very well with working with an accounting firm. Uh, my daughter, I'm, she's already done some work with um, – Rockwell Collins, uh, which is out in Iowa, and Lockheed Martin for her summer internship. So she's wow. had those exposures, and the students get jobs. <laughs> That's yeah, what you right. Want. You want them to finish and get a job. So Right, and your own experience too. I mean, you're obviously very successful. So, and I think that's important. I mean, if for students coming in to see somebody like you, who's not only um, got a lot of uh, credentials, but also is very caring about their success. And I find that that's such a big part of it. Words are power, and you can take a few words to encourage someone, and they can go way beyond their own expectations. And I, I get that regularly uh, from some of the other college, colleges that I've worked at where students will call me up or they'll Facebook a message to me saying, wow, you know, I remember what you did for me or the words that we talked about and you know, how I met with you and, and it helped me to get through some challenging courses or a place in my life where I needed some encouragement. So words are definitely power and I always tell that to parents and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the parents book because I want them to understand that they can have a big influence on their child's future 
and and investing in that at all levels, elementary school, middle school, and high school, is powerful. I, and I I do say that to uh, the parents as they're working with their high school student because a lot of them kind of back off in high school because like you know, their children are older. But right. that should be a place where they still continue to be involved in their child's life as they're about to pursue their career or their future. And young people will shrug you off as a parent, but they still want to see you show up. I I can't tell you how many times at different events that I showed up for my daughter and son in high school that they told me they didn't want me to come, and we said, we're coming. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're looking in the audience for us. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, it, it does play out. I can tell you when I was teaching leadership, one thing I really noticed is exactly what you said. I mean, the parents, they trusted their kids. And these were, you know, these leadership kids were the the cream of the crop. These kids were doing all the great things. They were just nice to be around on and on. And the parents were there. They were in the peripheral. They weren't super mega controlling, but they were there. And the kids, I think there's a sense of security. Absolutely. It's uh, what I always say, you know, it's nice to give them things, but the most important thing that you as a parent can give to them is your love, uh, your your kind words of encouragement, and your building into them for their future. And, and can't you remember those times, I mean, those pivotal times in your own life where an adult, a parent, but it could be another adult who said something to you for whatever reason, it meant something and actually impacted uh, it, it's kind of sent you soaring, and we need those opportunities, don't we? Absolutely. I had a neighbor that was two doors over. I would do some work for him, and he would sit me down and, and tell me what he's hearing and what he's seeing on the radio. And I now realize what he was doing in terms of giving me things to think of a bigger world than the community in which I live. And so I always appreciate him for uh, that contribution to my life. Right, and, and so you know, and we also have um, other teachers, coaches in our lives that have input to their time. And I think for me, that's what's given me this passion to give back as well. What a great thing that you're doing because it really does work. I, you know, I, I think a lot of times we get in relationships, especially with teenagers, whether it's our own or we're working with them, and our relationship with them is instruction, kind of telling them why they aren't measuring up um, and not realizing how much power that we can, like you said, words are power, that taking them aside and say, oh, my God, you kicked butt on that project, or you, you really, you know, pointing out, their strengths to them that they, you assume that maybe they just implicitly know, but they don't. Hearing it allows them to develop that strength. And I think it's, it's how you and so giving them positive feedback, and then if there are some challenges, it's how you present the challenges to them. And I always go at it as let me give you overwhelming amount of positives and say here's some areas where you can still grow. Right. So it's it's how you say it, you know, rather than saying you can't do it or you didn't do well. It's like okay, there's still some areas where you can that you can work on. Just like in my own life, there are areas that I can work. On. Right. So yeah, yeah. Now, um, when I I asked what topic you wanted to cover, you chose what's the most important skill that a kid needs to learn. I want to get to that. Um, what's the most important skill that a kid needs to learn? And and I would imagine that one of the reasons you chose that topic is because of your position and kids showing up um, deficient maybe sometimes in this particular area. What what was in, on your mind when you came up with that as a topic? Yeah, I was I was thinking about the whole importance of problem solving and decision making, 
And uh, a lot of young people don't get that preparation through their courses. There may be programs that they attend, um, but the ability to make good choices based on uh, information, based on training uh, of a young person, I think is really important that we kind of overlook that. And the, and when you, you're able to do that, then the peer pressure won't come in as much and take them in the wrong direction. For example, and I always have said to my daughter and my son that they're leaders. They're not followers. You are a leader, and this is what a leader does. So giving them instruction for them to think about, okay, here are the five or six things that I should be measuring myself against to see am I leading or am I following. And different children are different. My son is the more outgoing person. You know, he's just every person runs after him. My daughter is more quiet and internal. But that still doesn't mean that you can't be a leader. You right. can't make uh, good decisions or you can't problem solve um, in your situation. So looking at each individual child with their personalities and give, still giving them those inputs that will help them get in the right direction. You know, I, I just love this, um, and I think it's so true. One of the some of the, the the reading that I've done suggests, especially in the teen years, that the teens don't necessarily have the ability in the moment to construct a proper response to peer pressure in this case, if that's what we're talking about, and um, mm-hmm. that you literally have to sort of go through it with them. Say, okay, your friends are going to offer you alcohol or, or pot or whatever, and at that time, here's like literally a roadmap of, of decisions that you can make at that time because when the time comes they, they just their brain isn't constructed so that they can come up with that plan and it's like oh okay well yeah pass it to me um ha- have you ever heard anything like that um i have and one of again a strategy that we as parents use with our children and we told them at any age doesn't matter <laughs> if you're in a situation where you know the decisions that, that you're going to make is going to be bad, call us and just tell the person it's an emergency. It's something that has to be handled. You can't stay there. And we'll come get you. Right. So they so they know there's always an out. There's not they're not locked into that situation. There's yeah. always a way that they can get the support that they need. Not that not that they're out on the island by themselves. You know, it's a it's a tricky thing. What you just said is a tricky thing and um and I wanna I wanna ask you about this. A lot of parents and a lot of adults working with kids say, "Don't do this." You know, don't do. I don't. If I ever catch you, we'll, we'll stay with drinking. If I ever catch you drinking, on you, you know, it's going to be this consequence and this and this and this. Um, what kid is going to call mom or dad, knowing, you know, in that situation, knowing that um, by doing so, they're going to, you know, face these consequences? Most people won't do that. How do you how do you deal with that? For me, it's you know we've built a relationship with our child to have them understand what we're trying to help them to avoid. Right. So that's in conversation and just talking about some of those scenarios that might come up and how they might handle it, not just leaving it to their imagination when it happens. Just building into them. I think if you're there's a relationship there with the parent. Also, there will be somewhat of a of a need not to disappoint some of the things that you've planted in them. They're not going to be perfect. Every child is not going to be perfect. So let me ask you a question. Without going into specifics, obviously, you don't want to tell on your own kids. Obviously, your kids have done very well. They're the kids that we all want to have eventually, you know. Were there times in 
in, in their high school years where you were like, whoa, why, how do you, why did you do that? Or, or like, you know, were you able to practice what you just talked about? Did they call you? And I mean, how, how, did, that, did it work for you? Well, I, I, well, this was more, um, <laughs> this would be interesting, but my son, uh, he was playing for the football team and he was kind of, you know, slacking some on his grades. And, and then um, one day we got a newspaper and we were looking at all the players on the football team who all were on the dean's, you know, on the high grade list. The dean's, we call it, I would call it the dean's list here. Right. But yeah. they were some of the top students. And you wouldn't expect that many players to be on that list. So we showed him. <laughs> and that, and when he saw that, he was like, it's on. They're, I'm, yeah, they're, yeah. they're challenging me. You know, I'm going to challenge them academically now. And so we just came up with a different kind of strategy, right, and, uh, right. and, it, and it worked. It's like I said before, the pull rather than the push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. Um, you know, and I think that some of the – and many of the people that are listening, they're dealing with kids that are having some – you know, major, major uh, issues. You know, they, they've gotten themselves in trouble. And you talked about um, sh- kids showing up at Villanova who are having trouble making good decisions. And, uh, you know, what, what, what can we do to, to help prepare them better? You know, anything you'd like to, to offer those? Because we've got some, some uh, advocates that work with some really tough communities. How do we pull them? I actually am on a committee here at the university that addresses some of those issues, and there are professionals involved um, in working with the students as well. So uh, to me, the sooner that you get your child for help and and to be a participant in that and recognize that that they're still growing uh, and maturing at the same time, the, the better, uh, I think, outcome that you'll get because you have that support and it's not just you. And, you know, you're thinking that you might be the only parent that's going through what you're going through, but there are others who are going through it at the same time. Like you said, some of the, the situations will be more challenging than others. That child still needs the parent's involvement. Right, right. And uh, so getting them also some, some structure, I think, as well. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of those kids just – Having something to occupy their time other than just loads of free time, you know, it's like in being around other kids. I, I can tell you myself, being around kids that were headed towards college made a huge difference. If I had been in an environment where that wasn't the case, I probably would have never gone to college. I would have gone down a much different path. At the at the high school level, there are different times where colleges are visiting, where other maybe trade schools are visiting, just reminding your child to be a part of that so they can see themselves in that place. They're college tours to go on those college tours. So that's an active way of participating in the process of saying, this is where I want to head you to. And I, I talk to parents about if there are plays happening on a campus or there's a concert or different types of events, take your child to those events on the college campus so they can see what it's like. And it won't be totally brand new. And also, summer programs, there are a lot of them around the country at different colleges that they can get engaged in, and that helps them to grow as well. You know, I love that because, you know, it goes from making college some abstract idea that mom is saying you should go to, to, oh, this is a real place. Oh, they have activities that seem 
enjoyable, and there's other people that seem interesting here. It, it, it's a it's a major pull. Absolutely. And then one of the things that I think happens is that you start a dialogue and a conversation with your child. <laughs> That's the other door that you're now opening because you've had these joint experiences together. Yeah. Or if you're, let's say you're reading a particular book and that play is going on a theater in the area and you go to that play, now you can actually talk about it from a visual standpoint, what you agree with, what you disagree with, with what you saw. I, I love that. Dr. Jones, um, I so appreciate your work in this area, your passion in this area. Uh, I wish we could talk all day long. And I know you've, uh, you've written a lot to help um, students to succeed. Where can folks find out more about you and find where your books are? Well, they can go to my website, which is www.drstephenjones.net. That's uh, D-R-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-J-O-N-E-S.net. And um, they can also call me, 610-842-3843. Check out Dr. Jones. Check out his book. Again, that number, 610-842-3843. Dr. Jones, wonderful talking to you. I so appreciate having you on the show. And uh, I look forward to uh, keeping track of your work in the future. Thank you so much, Mark. Take care. Bye-bye. A really important conversation with Dr. Stephen Jones from Villanova University. Thanks to him for showing up for that. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, I'll have uh, Jude Weber out of Los Angeles with me. We're going to talk about how to help teens in recovery. Um, You're going to enjoy that conversation. If you are thinking about becoming a facilitator of O-Shift material, well, you should do that. Head to O-Shift.com. Go to the tab where you can find out more information to become a facilitator. So glad that you are partnering with me on this journey as as we learn to be better parents, as we learn to understand our youth better. What important work that this is in a never-ending learning process. Thanks for being on the journey with me. We will see you all again next week.